Listeners, never mind Liverpool knocking out Man City, Roma doing the impossible against Barcelona was a thing that got Jimbo all hot and bothered this week. He and James Horncastle really went to town over it on the latest episode of Galazzo, our totally Italian football show, and it was such a momentous result and such a good episode that we're giving it to you as a special cutout and keep commemorative podcast. If you like what you hear, join us every Wednesday. Just search for Galazzo with one L and two Zs, which you'll find on Audio Boom, Apple Podcasts and all the usual places. Enough from me. Take it away, boys. Dimmi cos'è, cos'è, che batte forte, forte, forte in fondo al cuore, che ci toglie il respiro e ci parla d'amore. These Romans are crazy. Today's Galazzo relives one of the most remarkable nights in the history of the city of Rome. For the fans singing Venditti in the Curva Sud. For Carlo Zampa. For people driving the Cinquecentos around Piazzas at 3am, honking. For the beautiful game. Sono pazzi, questi Romani. Woof! Morning, James. Good morning. Jimbo. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Galazzo, a show that celebrates the legends of Calcio. This one, James, came just last night. Exactly. Do you think of Il Corriere della Sports headline this morning? Roma nel mito. Nel mito. In legend. <laughs> in, in legend. And uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, we usually talk about what went on in the past. I think you know, in 10, 15, 20 years' time, We'll be doing a Golazzo episode on this game. Um, such was the uh, meaning that it has for Roma's history. Yeah. The Gazzetta della Sport, meanwhile, which goes with Imperiali, which I think we can all understand, says, keep this newspaper close beside you. Put it on a shelf safe. Tomorrow, you may ask yourself if all this truly happened. And they compare this to the legendary matches of the past, whether Inter coming back against Liverpool back in the 60s, of course the Deportivo comeback, the Liverpool comeback against Milan, and of course Barcelona themselves. It has happened in, in the past, but it looks so impossible this time. Firstly, because they were underdogs. Secondly, because they were underdogs who'd lost 4-1, and they had to stop, of all teams scoring, Barcelona. Exactly. And uh, I remember the headline in Il Romanista, uh, the newspaper um, that uh, Roma fans put out last week after the first leg when the headline was Orgoglio e Pregiudizio, Pride and Prejudice. Mm. Because at the Camp Nou, they left that game with their heads held high. They played as well as they could possibly have done, but they've been prejudiced against by the refereeing decisions, mm. by misfortune in that they scored two own goals. Maxime Gomelons comes on and basically sets up, I think, Suarez for the fourth goal. And it looked like it was over because Barcelona are undefeated in all competitions this year. They had the best defensive record in the Champions League going into this game. They'd only shipped three goals before they went to the Olympico. And hell, they shipped another three last night. <laughs> so, so they were a pretty good side. Roma, by contrast, well, you mentioned the newspapers. I think a lot of people have seen what Sport and El Mundo Deportivo had on their front pages, the Catalan Sporting Press, back when the draw was announced. 
Basically, sport had bonbon, which means a gift with a little picture of Totti holding out Roma's name in, in the drawer. And I think Mundo's was, we can already touch the semis. So they, they thought this was a done deal. And the thing is, even as Roma fans, you can understand why Roma's pedigree in Europe was so disastrous. I mean, the last time they, they met the Catalans, it ended 7-2 on aggregate. You've got the, the 7-1 at mm. Old Trafford against Man United. Bayern Munich, you were mentioning. Yeah, the 7-1. And again, those um, the Bayern and Barcelona games in recent memory, in this current iteration of Roma under Jim Palotta, we got really excited about them because remember in Rudy Garcia's first year, they won their first 10 games and no one had ever done that before. And everyone was getting carried away and thinking they were either going to win the league for the first time since 2001 or they were going to do something special in Europe. And instead, they ended up being humiliated on those occasions. And you just didn't understand why. And Daniel De Rossi, who was obviously there at Old Trafford when they lost 7-1, you know, he said, um, I can't remember after which game it was, it was a, a recent big win that they'd had. And he said, you know, we need to be Roma fans, come what may. We need to be Roma fans when we lose 7-1, and we need to be Roma fans when we win 3-0, like they did last night. And Or he, against Chelsea. Or Exactly, I think it was that game. And he, he came out for the warm-up last night, and he saw the Stadio Olimpico full. And it's not often full. 80,000 there, the Kudvasud singing... And he said, if they believe, we have to believe. Let's mm. not piss ourselves. That's what he said in the dressing room uh, before the game. And they went out and they somehow did it. So, everything's set up then for the second leg at the Stadio Olimpico. But Roma, let's recall, 4-1 down against one of the greatest sides in football history. People should know when they're conquered. What do you, Quintus? What I... When you saw the team sheet that Eusebio Di Francesco had produced, what, what was your reaction? Surprised and encouraged um, because I think a lot of people have wanted him to play a system like that all season. Um, Di Francesco um, is wedded to a 4-3-3 um, and he has never uh, really deviated from that this season, even though sometimes Romo have looked a bit mechanical, doesn't look like it suited them. Um, and... It was great to see, for example, a three, what, four, two, one, with their big signing from the from the summer, Patrick Schick okay, in the team. Okay, but keep pallid again. See, this is a, a a manager who a couple of days before has just lost two nil at home to Fiorentina. Mm. Seems like the worst start possible. He says he stayed up to five a.m. redesigning his team. He switches it for like the first time I think ever to this back three system, which normally presages disaster. And, and takes the biggest flop Roma have had on the transfer market in a long time and sticks him into the starting lineup in their biggest game of the season. Exactly. And, and he mentioned after the game, he said, Io sono matto. I'm a madman for doing that. Because to take a risk like that on the eve of a game where you know that, uh, as he said, you would all kill me uh, if, we'd, uh, if we'd lost, like, for example, Roma have lost in the past in games like these, the ones that we mentioned. And instead... It paid off hugely, and yeah, he looks incredible after this, I mm -hmm. think, um, because to go through Roma's history, he is the only manager after Niels Liedholm who's ever got them to a, to a European Cup semi-final. This right. was beyond Fabio Capello, it was beyond the team that won the league title in, in 2001 with Totti, Cassano, Battistuta, all these players. Um, so considering he's done that when as we've mentioned on this podcast before, 
They lost Chesney in the summer. Okay, Alisson has come through and become the best goalkeeper in the world, arguably. Rudiger went to Chelsea. Mohamed Salah is having arguably a Ballon d'Or caliber season. Mm. To get to a semi-final, in light of all that, in light to the, of the results that you just mentioned, the fact that they'd had three negative results going into this game, drew against Bologna, lost to Barcelona, lost to Fiorentina, to pull that out of the, the bag is extraordinary. And he said that when he was uh, not sleeping on, what is it, um, Saturday night, Sunday morning, uh, one of the things he did was he clipped up what they did really well in the first game, but he also decided to show... Did he um, put gladiator music over it? <laughs> he didn't, but what he decided to do was show the Roma players the Chelsea game ah. against Barcelona. And that was one of the reasons he moved to a back three, because he said, look, Chelsea caused them problems doing that. It, right. that there was some, he took something from that, not everything, because he said, look, it was a different system, but same philosophy that I've always preached, which is to be aggressive, attack them high up the pitch, stop them playing out from the back. And they're... Roma's, uh, Barcelona's biggest co- pass combination last night was PK back to the goalkeeper. Wow. So, everything's set then. The crowd... The Everything seemed to be set. set <laughs> for Barcelona to erect the arch of victory. But the Curvasud are waving their flags and the atmosphere is about to inspire one of the great performances ever. And I'm talking here about Peter Drury. There is an atmosphere here to seduce you into believing... In a city on a site not short of ancient myth and legend, Roma emerge here, daring to consider a modern epic. On their side, they need every Roman deity from Jupiter down. And something really, really special needed now from Roma. At my signal, unleash hell. I know my word, they get it. The game kicks off and immediately Roma are on the front foot, not like an Italian side in Europe at all, and then... De Rossi gets hold of the ball, James. And he flights it over the top for Edin Dzeko. De Rossi, by the way, who had scored an own goal in the first leg at the Camp Nou and was one of the star performers on this night, led Roma. Remember, this is a guy who is Roman, born and bred. His, uh, his dad coaches the youth team. He's taken the captain's armband after Totti retired um, in, in the summer and led them from the front. Chips this ball over the top for Edin Dzeko, who, remember, in January could have gone to Chelsea. Um, he stayed for the Champions League. He stayed for the Champions League and, uh, and matched with that goal, I think, Roberto Pruzzo, uh, his record uh, in, in the Champions League, which is only six, six goals in a, in, a, in a single campaign. But still, I think that goes to show how rare moments like these are for Roma and their fans. Yeah. And not for the first time that evening, Carlos Zampa goes a little bit crazy. Well, the intensity just builds after this. Then Patrick Schick has a huge miss. But he's playing well. He's, he's, he's working hard for the team, shutting down Iniesta a bit. Mm. The whole Roma midfield, and Nangolan's return to the side makes a huge difference here, is completely dominating the, the illustrious Barcelona uh, counterparts. And although Barcelona, with 1-0 as we get to half-time, are still comfortable with the scoreline, the pressure is telling a very different story. I thought it was very one-sided, aside from the... Um the opening five minutes where Sergio Roberto had a shot at uh, Alisson, 
you then saw not much uh, from from Barcelona, and that was all down um, to to Roma and the pressing game that they had. There was a nice line in Gazeta this morning which said, um, "You know, Barcelona without their possessing game is like Rome without the Colosseum, and uh, yes. completely disfigured." And I think that is exactly what happened with them uh, last night. When did you last see Roma press? Well, this is the extraordinary thing, Jimbo, the Chelsea game, right. the Olympico. I mean, we're talking about a, a, a campaign which has, had, which has given us some of Roma's best moments, and now I think their best ever moments in Europe. Um, because you have to go back to, well, when I was in uh, Rome, which was the kind of first Spalletti spell, where they went away to Lyon, and there was that in- incredible Amantano, Amantino Mancini goal, or the the step over the step over mm. overs step overissimo <laughs> and um, and the win at the Bernabeu as well against uh, against Real Madrid um, because um, when I spoke to Di Francesco um, what two weeks ago um, he said that um, yeah okay we we won three nil against Chelsea at the Olympico but our best performance was. Um, uh, was at the Stamford Bridge, where they where they came back from mm. what two nil down to be leading three two. We mentioned that first goal that Roma scored at the, um, last night. It was very similar to the one that Jeco scored in at Stamford Bridge. Uh, this time it was that time it was Fazio with the ball over the top and Jeco scoring one of the goals of the tournament and doing it again. But this is when Roma click. I've never seen as well. I've rarely seen as coordinated a pressing game. Mm. And it's great that they are known as uh, the Lupi, the Wolves, because mm. they hunt like a wolf pack on, right. the, uh, on, on the Di Francesco. Forza Lupi, son finiti tempi cupi. <laughs> so, okay, so it's 1-0 and it's half-time and Roma are playing so well, but they are missing chances. And you think back to the Barcelona first leg and you think back to all the other games where they've they've had regrets, they've had mi- missed opportunities and what-ifs, and you think, well, this will probably be the same way. When did you start to believe that this was going to be the time that everything came good? When they got the penalty. Right. So Pique hauls down Dzeko. It's another brilliant ball through, and Dzeko's onto it, and it, no question about the spot kick being awarded. And no question about who's going to take it. So De Rossi, what pressure, what unbelievable pressure. The silence before you strike, and the noise afterwards, it rises... Rises up like, 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 like a storm, as if you were the thunder god himself. Absolutely, De Rossi, who of course had scored, as you mentioned, the first own goal at the new Camp, bringing them, in the words of Peter Drury, within one, within one. And you go back to uh, that high-pressure moment, Daniele De Rossi. This is what he's done all his career. You go back to the 2006 World Cup final mm. when uh, he'd got sent off in that game against the US for that elbow on Brian McBride. Um, he was heavily criticised in the press. He comes back for the final. And in order to redeem himself, he basically has the stones to take the ball and put it on the spot. If he misses that, can you imagine what would be awaiting De Rossi when he got home from, from, from Germany? And again, he just did it last night where he takes it all on his shoulders, something that can be so overwhelming, and put it away. Tushtegen guessed right, and it still didn't, he, he still couldn't keep it out. Just extraordinary given, uh, as you mentioned, the own goal last week, but also what 
who he is and what he represents for that city and for that club. Yeah. 40 minutes still to play, though. Roma still need to find another goal against Barcelona. 79th minute. By now, El-Sharari's come on. The Undertaker. The Ginger Junda as well. And it's El-Sharari. I'm not sure who puts the ball across, but he, he sticks out a leg at the far post. And, oh, but De Stegen has, has managed to bat it away. What a save from De Stegen! And you think, no, they're going to come so close. But what a magnificent effort. But then... About 81st minute. Roma have risen from their ruins. Manolas, the Greek god in Rome. Oh my goodness, it's the it's the other goal scorer from last week, Costas Manolas. Yeah, who uh, sneaks in front of what Nelson Semedo. And glances the header past to Stegen. What a header! And the corner from Chengizunde, um, who had just come on and has been the kind of revelation of the spring for Roma, the guy who's made them a little bit less predictable um, and was missing also in the first leg at the Camp Nou. And uh, yeah, Manolas, his celebration was extraordinary and at the full-time whistle He was in well, tears. In tears on the dugout. I in was the in dugout. tears. I've never won the lottery but it's got to feel like this. Your first number came up. Your second number came up. Oh, my word. The third number has come up. And we had the final minute. What was there? Still about 10, 12 minutes to go with time mm. added on. Sheer agony, but just bliss as well. And the finale, the final whistle goes. And, so very, very oh, my special. goodness. And the crowd just erupts again. And then what happens, James, in, in the Italian capital? Well, no one slept, James. I think uh, there's one massive party. Um, and I think, again, the scenes, to put this into kind of the context, really, you know, this club has been around for, what, 91 years? Mm. They won the league title three times. Uh, and they're all spaced out, 42, 83, 2001. They've won the Coppa Italia nine times, but the last time we saw them in the Coppa Italia final was 2013 when they lost to Lazio, and the Lazio fans held a mock funeral for them. And um, you know, when, whenever they win the league, not just thousands of people turn out on the streets, millions do, um, go to Circo Massimo. And you know, Rome last night, as you mentioned, horns being honked, People on scooters with the flags, flags draping in the background. One man jumping in the fontana in Piazza del Popolo. Exactly. James Palotta, the, the Roma owner, and uh, who famously announced himself when he became the owner of the club by going to the tr training ground at Trigoria and, uh, and jumping in the swimming pool by way of introduction. <laughs> so in, in, in many respects, this is full circle for Jim Palotta. Yeah, magnificent. All right. The papers this morning, we mentioned the, the Italian ones, the, the, the Spanish ones, or at least the Catalan ones. El Mundo, nice front page, the fall of Rome, they say. A historic debacle, they say. Uh, they reckon that more than Roma's miracle, it was Barcelona's ridiculousness and, and sport, their kind of sister paper in, in Barcelona. This is basically, it was all Valverde's fault. He left Barcelona with no plan beyond their original intention to just come out and defend the 3-0 lead. He had... No ability to react. He was a rabbit caught essentially in the headlights. So how much was this 
Barcelona producing a historically bad performance and how much was it credit to Roma? I think we have to credit Roma. Um, Dzeko afterwards said he'd never seen Barcelona be put in so much difficulty. And that was a strong Barcelona team. Let's not forget. Um, we've said that they were unbeaten. I think they've just broken Real Sociedad's all-time undefeated record. A, a team that did beat Real Madrid at the Bernabeu 3-0 um, before Christmas. There's Messi, there's Suarez, um, there's Busquets, there's Iniesta. Um, so, yeah, a team full of modern greats. And yeah, the only moments where I was a little bit frightened uh, for Roma were the occasions where Messi would be... Run uh, he only got, I think, ran at Juan Jesus there once. There was one moment in about the 85th. Exactly. Oh. Oh. But also, like, he, uh, in the first half, won a couple of free kicks around the penalty mm. area. And Messi this year, one of the reasons why he just keeps on getting better is he scored six free kicks this season alone. I think he's matched Ronaldinho's record or surpassed... I can't remember. And... Those were the moments where I really held my breath. Um, but Valverde did not make a substitution, I think, until the 80th minute. I didn't know what he was doing. I think maybe he was stunned. And I always remember Walter Sabatini, the, um, the former Roma sporting director. When Roma lost to Bayern Munich, when they lost to Barcelona, and the headlines then were the sack of Rome, his explanation for it was, uh, was Stendhal syndrome, you know, where... You know, you, you are confronted by a, a piece of art that is so incredible, so astonishing, that it leaves you stunned and you faint. And maybe that's what happened to Barcelona last night. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. It, it was a different Roma, and it does look, in matches like these, like something pretty special may be underway with their new manager this season, Eusebio Di Francesco. Five consecutive clean sheets in five matches in, at the Stadio Olimpico in the Champions League. And against, do you think year. of the players that they've come up against... Griezmann, um, Hazard, uh, Messi and Suarez last night. Um, that is impressive. And Alisson didn't really have to make no. one, one of the world-class... One save maybe, but even that was pretty straightforward. Yeah. So last time they made it to a semi-final of the European Cup or Champions League was 1984 when they went on to lose the final in front of their own fans at their own stadium to, to Bruce Grobelard's wobbly knees, essentially, Liverpool. Uh, and, and Francesco Totti was, was watching in the stands that day. Yeah, just eight years old and uh, seeing how uh, tearful um, everybody was afterwards and, let's be honest about it, a period of mourning uh, around the city um, after that game. You know, he resolved um, to be the player that would you know, take Roma to a European Cup or Champions League final and lift that trophy aloft. It's one of the reasons why he kept playing until he was in his 40s, but here, in the year that he has retired, mm. you know, Roma stand on the brink of a uh, Champions League final and but Di Francesco saying, we have to believe. Why can't, why, why shouldn't we? The draw is on Friday. They're going to get Liverpool, aren't they? <laughs> Not just for the, the repeat of the 84 final, but also the Mo Salah reunion. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, and to, to a lot of people have said, you know, they've, okay, they've faced Messi, they've faced Griezmann, they've faced um, Morata and, and, all Hazard. These, and Hazard, mm. but they haven't faced Salah. But these guys trained and played with Salah every week for, for 18 months. They know him better than in anybody else. Wow. So in, in, in that sense, it could be, it's a great matchup if that were to happen. Um, it'd be great if it were to happen in the final as well. Yeah. Well... There you go. An absolutely unbelievable game on Tuesday. And many thanks to everybody at the Jalarossi who, who, who made it happen because it's one of the most special nights. I, I would put it up there, maybe even more emotional for me than the 2006 
World Cup final. It was just an amazing, amazing performance. Sum it up with the words of a, a Spaniard, but another adopted Roman. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Fantasizing a bit more of Roma, James. There's a game coming up this weekend, isn't there? Yeah, small one on Sunday night. Sunday night. So they're taking on Lazio, and it's the derby. It's Lazio-Roma. Lazio, and Dzeko saying after the game on Tuesday, I don't know if we can bring this form across to our championship campaign. They're taking on a a Lazio side who are themselves flying, who are level on points with them in an incredibly heated battle for Champions League qualification for next season. Exactly. Last weekend was huge in the Champions League race um, because, you know, Roma uh, lost against Fiorentina and uh, Inter lost to Torino as well. So Lazio gained ground on both of them uh, with their win at Udinese. And the spirit in this Lazio side is, is also something to behold because I think they've been behind in their last three games against Benevento, RB Salzburg and Udinese. And they've always come back to win. Scoring 12 goals in those three matches. Yeah, I think they've scored more than 100 goals in all competitions this season. Um, that forward line of Chiru Immobile, who's mm-hmm. been doing his best to stay in touch with Messi, Salah and Harry Kane at the top of the Golden Boot charts. 27 he's got so far. Um, I mean, this is before they play Thursday night. But in all competitions, yeah. we're talking close to 40. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, because he's been banging them in in the Europa League um, as well. And uh, what we saw against Dudinese was uh, Simone Inzaghi do something a little bit like uh, what Eusebio Di Francesco did prior to the Barcelona game, which was surprise everyone by being so bold in that for the first time from the start, he played uh, not only Immobile and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and Luis Alberto, but also Felipe Anderson mm. as well. Um, and uh, they were super attacking. And uh, yeah, this should be a great spectacle at the Olympico. And it's, I think it's been brilliant really over the last what, eight years, I would say, that, okay, the Milan clubs have fallen on our times and look like they're just about getting their bits together. But yeah, when it comes to this derby, both Roman sides could be in European semi-finals mm. because Lazio on Thursday night have a 4-2 advantage against Salzburg. Although we've seen. <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> but yeah, we are looking at a kind of high point in um, the rivalry um, I'd say going back to the early 2000s yeah. you know when in, in when they kind of did back to back titles exactly wow okay they've only had one defeat in their last 12 matches in all competitions lads here but they haven't beaten Roma at home in the league since 2012 Roma in fact have won six of the last nine derbies including a 2-1 victory at the start of this season so worth catching this both very very entertaining teams and also even before the game kicks off whether or not Peter Drury is commentating <laughs> you're going to have entertainment because the the Courvier will do that kind of call and response where they'll hold, hold up banners and then and then the other Courvier will, will respond and there's spies at work for, I mean, the famous example was when was it 2000 when Roma thought they'd uh, they they got one over Lazio by invading this incredible blue sheet right across the Courvier sud with a sign uh, to their players saying, look up, only the only the sky is bigger than you. And then Lazio fans put up a banner immediately, James. What did it say? Si, eh, bianco e zoro, which is, yes, it's blue and white. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, and if you want to know what the derby's all about, 
I think there's, um, in some respects, no better English person to talk about it than, than Paul Gascoigne. You know, they never stop talking about it all day, all night, you know, wherever they go. So I'm finding it hard to go out, so I'm just sitting in the house for a week. I've been going out and people have been stopping the cars, shouting, beeping the horns. Uh, it's incredible. Going to restaurants, you know, and all they want to talk about is the derby. Um, so hopefully we can win because for me, and I'm not just saying this, this Sunday is like life or death. And hopefully after Sunday I'm still alive. Signore will take the free kick. Gascoigne, yes, he's got it! His first goal for Lazio comes three minutes from the end of the Rome derby. So that's coming up Sunday night. Lazio, Roma, Inter, who are one point behind the two Roman teams, are at Atalanta. Mm. Yeah, without uh, Marcelo Brozovic, their midfield player, who, you know, if you'd said they were going to be without him um, not so long ago, you'd have said that's a bonus uh, because he's been a liability, but he's been behind their change of form mm. um, um, over the last, what, six weeks or whatever. So he'll be a big miss against an Atalanta side that... Um, lost to Sampdoria in midweek and then drew with Spal, and the, but still in contention for what is a really fiercely contested Europa League race as well um, with um, Samp Atlanta Fiorentina. Fiorentina won six games in a row for the first time since uh, 1960 mm. um, who are now just two points behind Milan who play against Napoli uh, this weekend Right, now that brings us on nicely to the other big point of talking point at the top which is the, the title race which almost ended I think for many people last weekend mm. because Juve was struggling a little bit against uh, lowly Benevento eventually run out 4-2 winners a hat-trick from Dybala and Napoli the next day managed to find themselves in the 89th minute 1-0 down at home to Chievo they pull one back through Milik in the last minute of regulation time and then three minutes into time added on this Batekayehon Cercato Milik, la palla per Diavara che prova a calciare! Diavara! Diavara! Rimonta al Napoli con Diavara! If it hadn't been for Roma's extraordinary exploits on Tuesday, that game would, I think, be the story of the week. But Napoli coming from behind right at the death with two goals to, to keep it at four points. As you say, they've got a huge game coming up this weekend against Milan and that's one to watch out for as well. So... Juve go this evening against Real Madrid and I don't know if we can dare ask for another epic <laughs> comeback. They're 3-0 down from the first leg. Uh, we'll see what happens there. We'll be back on, on Thursday anyway with a totally football show. Golazzo returns next Wednesday. One thing we must do before we leave is salute uh, Sauro Tomà, who, who passed away sadly on Tuesday, the last survivor of the tra- uh, Superga tragedy, which is a story that we must tell soon on Golazzo, the for many people, greatest team that Italian football has ever uh, produced and, and without question the most tragic one uh, who came to their end on a hillside outside Turin uh, back at the uh, the end of the 40s. That wraps it up anyway for this edition of Golazzo. Listeners, thanks for joining us. James, we'll see you next... Well, i see you tomorrow, actually, on Totally Football mm. Show. Producer Pete, many thanks for all your hard work, Maximus and everybody else. And Jupiter. <laughs> and Jupiter. <laughs> And for now, from all of us here, it's Arrivederci.
You've been listening to Galazzo, the totally Italian football show. If you like what you heard, search for Galazzo with one L and two Zs, which you'll find on Audioboom, Apple Podcasts and all the other places.